Um, the answers are, are not complete, meaning they're complete, but we don't understand them. Oh. Same problem? Yeah. <laughs> it looks like they changed it, though. Oh. Nope. The red lights are warm. At the Tetzava, you, Moshe, connect the Jewish people to a Kaddish Baruch By virtue of that, they elevate you. Kosis Lamar, so the Rebbe told us last time, what's Kosis Lamar? That we, by, through the, the crushedness of Golis, a person comes to a state of Ma'or. Etzim and Neshama, the source of light. Not the light of the Neshama, but the source of light of the Neshama. Now, in that context, so the Rebbe also quotes the Frida Rebbe. The Frida Rebbe explains, there are three things that we saw in Ois Gimel that the Frida Rebbe explains. First of all, the union of Raya Mehemna, the two different explanations of Raya Mehemna. Either it's a Roya Neman, a faithful shepherd, or a shepherd of faith. Right? That was the first thing that the Rebbe taught us. Friedrich Rebbe, in his mimer. We haven't seen the Rebbe's mimer yet. We haven't learned the Rebbe's mimer yet. That's not going to start until the bottom of the next page. Right? So, so the, the first thing that Friedrich Rebbe told us was Raya Mehemna, Raya Neman, that Raya Mehemna means Raya Neman, a faithful shepherd. Or it means a shepherd of faith. What does a shepherd of faith mean? That the Jew has emuna as a birthright every single year. The power of the soul is the the, the deepest power of the soul is Amunah, but that might be a makif. It might not be registering in his consciousness. This is all review. That might not be registering in his consciousness. Moshe Rabbeinu is the one that brings that into the consciousness of the Jew. And this is Shaykh to Moshe Rabbeinu of every generation. Right? The Rebbe explained the Indian of Moshe, Bechol Dovedar, brought it in terms of the, the Zoyar, Pnimi Satara, and also in Nigla, brought a, brought a uh, Maimur Chazal, a Medrash that says, Mordechai Bedar, Kamesha Bedar. In the Ispash, and what and how is that Ispash is expressed most uh, clearly that he he uh, he he uh, brings the Amune into the Yid, and the last thing that the Rebbe explains, the Friedrich Rebbe, after explaining that, then the Friedrich Rebbe explains the Indian of Kasis Lamar. that the crushedness of Gullus brings about a revelation of Maor of the essence of the soul. Okay, so that's what we've seen up until now, very 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 quickly. Okay, so. Um, our Rebbe asked the question, what's the connection between these things? I mean, why is it that the Friedrich Rebbe explained things in the order that he did? And we'll, we'll see, the Rebbe's going to discuss that throughout, and we're going to have to pay heed to the order of the Friedrich Rebbe's explanation of things in Ois Gimel. So we'll come back to that. In that context, the Friedrich Rebbe also explains the the the, the remember the idea the idea of Atat Tetzav and the Friedrich Rebbe comes up in a Purim Mimer. It's really a Purim Mimer. Right, and the 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 Rebbe said it on the Friedrich Rebbe said it on Purim Katan Tafresh Pei in 1927 in front of the NKVD. I mean, not only them, there were Yidden there, but there were other there were spies, Jewish spies there also, and ultimately this this resulted in the arrest of the Friedrich Rebbe and a death sentence passed against him. And the Rebbe asks a question in that mimer, and the question is, how can it possibly be the pshat in the words Bekibul Yehudim that the Yidden accepted? What did they accept in Purim? They accepted the Torah on a deeper level than they than they had accepted it at Matan Torah. And this idea is in line with the with the Maimur Chazal Kimu Vekiblu, another pasuk. They 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 fulfilled and they accepted. And the Chazal say they fulfilled what they had accepted before. Right? What does that mean? That we accepted the Torah at Har Sinai, but we truly fulfilled it at the time of Purim. Right? That's what we saw. Umedayik b'Maimur, second line. On page Kuflamid Aleph. Umadayag Bamaimer, Shilakhu Pella. At first glance, this is a wondrous thing. Something hard to understand. And we, we talked about this at the end of Shir yesterday, what this question is. At the time of Matan Torah, the Jews were on the highest level imaginable. Vaya Az, they were Meshwabainus, they are Meshwabainus Chasidim, Meshwabainus, we mentioned from this this year's Basilagani uh, Tavshin Chaf. The Rebbe explains at great length that the that Moshe Rabbeinu was shaykh to to Atzilus, so to his his whole generation was shaykh to Atzilus, and so Moshe could get the Torah and Atzilus and give it to his people because his people, his generation, the generation of the of Yitzias Mitzrayim and of getting the Torah were on such a high level. 
So to hear the Rebbe says, the Friedrich Rebbe says the same thing. Right? At the time of Matan Torah, the Jews were on a very high level. Vahaya az etzlam, and there was by them then gilui elokus, a revelation of elokus, bedarga hachi nailis on the highest levels. They were experiencing unbelievable revelation constantly in the Midbar. First of all, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim itself. Right? The, 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 whole, the, whole, the whole experience of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And then Kriyas Yamsuf. Kriyas Yamsuf, so the simplest Jew at Kriyas Yamsuf experienced the revelation of God greater than the Prophet Yechezkel ever experienced. Unbelievable revelation. The Neusif was in addition to the fact even before Matan Torah, there were the highest levels of Gilui, like we just mentioned. The revelation that was at the time of Mitzrayim. And particularly Particularly the revelation of Kriyas Yamsuf, which was an incredibly powerful revelation. But the revelation of Matan Torah was even greater. The revelation of godliness that happened at the time of Matan Torah was much, much higher, much more powerful. That we know that there was it was even so high that the Eden couldn't 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 withstand the, the truest and the most powerful expression of that gilui with this statement that their neshamas left their bodies and were put back. Unbelievable revelation. These were serious people who were privy to a very very real experience. That being said, in the days of Yerida. You didn't were in the lowest level. Right? We talked about it yesterday. The of that in addition to the hiddenness and concealment that exists in every state of Gullus, that's the nature of Gullus. And the Rebbe explains parenthetically the Kol Gullus, every Gullus, every state of, of lack of Gullus, 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 Mitzrayim. Gullus, Mitzrayim is the prototype of every Gullus and the source of every Gullus. and just like that in the Gullus of Mitzrayim, of Egypt, Ksiv, what does it say? What did it say? They didn't listen to Mesha the Yidden. Why? Because of a, literally a shortness of breath. And from difficult work. In other words, Gullus was so difficult that they had a hard time listening to Mesha Rabbeinu. They had a hard time connecting to what Mesha had to say. Because they were so deeply in, ensconced in Gullus that when Mesha was telling them it's time to get out of Gullus, they didn't have the ability to hear it. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Sort of sounds like our generation, right? Mesha Rabbeinu screaming from the hilltops, Mashiach's coming. Even his people can't. I mean, there's, there's a, 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 a disagreements amongst his people. Well, don't take it so seriously, you know. And outside of that, well, Lubavitch, Mashiach. Gullus is so deep that Yidin is so stuck in Gullus, they can't imagine that you can get out of Gullus. No, anybody who talks about getting out of Gullus, there's, there's something wrong with them. Mapito, I don't understand. Getting out of Gullus is what it's all about, right? That's what the world's all about. <laughs> the Abishah didn't create the world so there should be Gullus. The Abishah created the world so there should be Gullus. And yet still, the Yidin in Gullus can be so deeply involved in Gullus that they can't imagine a state that isn't that. And that's what happened in Mitzrayim, and that's what happened evidently in other Galuyas. I mean, I don't know, we weren't there, but we're in this one. And we certainly see it in the clearest way imaginable, that there's a clear voice talking about the fact that Gullus is, is ending, and people are fighting that voice. Ukemei and similar, Shabagullus Mitzrayim, I'm sorry, Ksiv, Loi Shamel Meishim, Yiketzeruch Vevedekasha, Alderech Zeh, in this way, Hubachol Gullus, is in every Gullus. The Rebbe has to explain that to us. That there are a number of trials and tribulations regarding Torah and mitzvahs. Every Golis also has its trials, tribulations. Right? Most generations think theirs are the hardest. Right? <laughs> if you talk to young religious youth in this generation, so they will explain to you how the, gen- how the, the trials and tribulations that they have to put up with are much harder than 100 years ago. Okay, I mean, fine. Of course, the hardest is their mind, right? The hardest trial and tribulation that I have to deal with is the one I have to deal with. The one you have to deal with isn't as hard that I can imagine dealing with because it's objective, whereas mine is subjective, so it's difficult to deal with. Right? But personally, honestly, hand on heart, 
I would much rather deal with the trials and tribulations that we deal with than with the hunger, poverty, and unbelievable, unbelievably nasty goyim everywhere that the Yidden dealt with 100, 100 years ago. Right? How'd they stay warm on Shabbos in Russia? I'm more than happy to deal with hard new Syrians than theirs. But anyway, whatever. Talk to an 18-year-old Lubavitcher and see what they say. Okay, but everybody, Golis is all about Nisirinus. Golis is about trials and tribulations relative to performing mitzvahs. Whether it's internal, external, depends on the Golis. Most of the trials now are internal. I mean, they might come from external things, but it's an internal trial. There's no one trying to kill us, Barak. Sure, there are people trying to kill us, but it's a completely different type of thing. <coughs> no, no, no one's keeping us from keeping Torah mitzvahs. Baruch Hashem, very, very, very few Jews live in a place where they're not allowed to keep Torah mitzvahs freely. Other right? some Jews even live in a place where the government supports Torah mitzvahs. They pay for it, pay for the education. Right? Canada, well, Quebec, right? religious education is subsidized in Quebec, so that includes, I mean, they, that, they wanted that for Catholic education, but the you can't only have Catholic education. It doesn't work that way in the world we live in. So Jewish education is paid for by the government. The private, the Jewish private schools are paid for by. They're, they're virulent anti-Semites. The Kibbutzim, but they're paying for Jews to sit and learn Torah. Baruch Hashem. Right. So what they say in their houses, who cares? Right. <laughs> they're not killing us, and they're actually paying for us to educate our children in Torah and mitzvahs. This country, biggest supporter of Torah in the world, is the Israeli government. Lots and lots and lots of money, right? Baruch Hashem. Did they do it happily, unhappily? I don't know. Who knows? It's not for us to decide. But they do it. Okay. America. Medina Shel Chesed, the Rebbe always refers to America as a place, a, a country of tremendous loving kindness. Right? The Yidden in America, it's so good they forgot their Yidden. So... Every gullus has its trials and tribulations, but uh, Baruch Hashem, the one we live in is, uh, most of it is internal. Right? How do I relate to the shmutz out there? But the shmutz out there is not coming after me, I'm going after it, if I want it. Hine az, then, at the time of Purim, in addition, the Rebbe saying, in addition to the fact that gullus is itself a, a, a difficult time, and a time where it's hard for Yidin to connect to the truth because of the situation in Golis, whatever that situation might be. In Eaz, at that time, Bizman Gezeris Haman, at the time of Gezeris Haman, Haya, it was a Helen Vahester, Oid Yeser. The Helen Vahester was absolutely even greater. So it was, on a certain level, the most difficult and the worst moments in, in Jewish history. Right? It was the only time in the history of our people, including 70 years ago, that there was a death sentence passed against every single Jew on the face of the earth. 70 years ago, so the person who passed the death sentence on the Jews was only responsible or only had the ability to deal with about half the Jews in the world. Now, that's an awful lot, and there's certainly no way in the world do you belittle what happened, obviously. But, tactless, he had no control over most of the Jews in the world. Achashverosh was the king of every single... In the realm of Achashverosh, every single Jew in the world lived in the realm of Achashverosh, which means the death penalty passed was relevant to every single Jew on the face of the earth at that particular time. It's the only time that ever happened to us. We've gone through difficulties. How many Yidden died at the time of the destruction of the Second Temple? I don't understand. You want the Goyim to forget the Holocaust? You don't want the Goyim to forget the Holocaust, right? We're going to make sure they remember that. So how come Jews don't know what happened to us? Tishabav. The Jews forgot Tishabav, right? So why do we expect the Goyim to remember the Holocaust if we forgot Tishabav? It's our Tishabav. And ask a Jew on the street, Tishabav. They remember the Holocaust. Some Pole has to remember the Holocaust. Why should the Pole remember the Holocaust? I don't understand. Why would... Three million Jews were killed during the destruction of the Second Temple. Is it such, can you call that half a Holocaust? Is there such a thing? I don't think so. Right? Three million Jews. That's a lot of Jews. Right? Jews don't even remember. Jews don't even remember. 
Oh, Kapi said it was 2,000 years ago. Uh, we don't want them to forget the Holocaust. Don't you forget. Now, 75 years and 2,000 years is a difference, no question. There are people alive who's not very many left, but there's still some people alive who went through that, right? Very few. The day is coming very soon where there won't be any, I mean, Alpiteva, obviously Mashiach's coming, everybody's going to come back, but, but the, 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 the Alpiteva, there won't be anybody around in a few years who went through that event, okay? There's no one around who went through Urban Bayashani. But we shouldn't forget, three million Yidin were killed. Disastrous. Pasha had a disastrous event. Okay. But Purim was on a certain level even worse than that. Right. Okay. The Yidin were on a very, very low level. Bazman Gezeres Haman. The time of the Gezeres of Haman. Oops, sorry. Vafal Pikein. Nevertheless. Bazman Matan Torah. At the time of Matan Torah. When the Yidin were on the highest level. What did we say about that? The Medrash said it, the Fidik Rebbe said it, Haisad Rakas Cholo. That was only the beginning. Hechalu Asas. They began to do. We began to accept the Torah. Ubizman Gezeris Haman. And what does the Medrash say? And the Fidik Rebbe also learns it from the Pasuk Vakibul Yehudi, Mesashay Chalu Lasas. The time of Purim. Keshayu Vatachli Sashiflis. When the Eden were in the lowest level. Right, we talked about it yesterday, right? Everybody was at Achashverosh's party. Right? Baruch Hashem, there's all sorts of people here who clearly weren't at Achashverosh's party last night. Or else they wouldn't be here now. But there's a couple of people who like to come to Chassidus, so I assume the reason they're not here is because they went to Achashverosh's party last night. Achashverosh throws a big party. It's the American Achashverosh's party. The world throws a bigger party. It's called the World Cup Final. They just don't make... I mean, America's... You know, only America can make such a shturim out of, you know, something. World Cup, okay, beside So there's, you know, like four billion people watching, but it's just, you know, happens in the middle of the day, and and it's not like, the, you know, everybody goes mashuga, right? Everybody's supposed to go... The whole world's supposed to go mashuga about when America has a, a championship. They even probably call it the World Championship, the world. Anybody cares about this game <laughs> other than it's Americans? But anyway, it's the way Americans are. But uh, that's the, that's good. I mean, that's why they're as successful as they are at things. Right, okay, so the Akashverosh threw a big party last night, so uh, if the Yidin are at the party, so then uh, that's pretty bad. So we all went to Akashverosh's party. Now his party wasn't a three-hour football game. His party was 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 months of of debauchery, right? Now it also ultimately involved the Vedasara, you know, real Vedasara, not the Vedasara like football, which is you know sort of Waldbaum's Vedasara. You know, there's you know target Vedasara and real Vedasara. So you know, football is just target Vedasara. It's definitely strange worship. It's not my mission Vedasara. <laughs> whereas whereas uh, that was real Vedasara going on. But then, at that lowest level, interesting enough, what ultimately happened as a result of that incredible story, as Dafka, specifically then, Kiblu they accepted more fully that which they had only begun at Matan Torah. So how could it possibly be that the Yidin on this, in, at Purim, who were on a very low level, that that was the greatest time of Kabbalah Satara and Matan Torah, when the Yidin were on the highest level imaginable, that was only the beginning. B. Very strange. Maimon Chazal shot in the Pasuk, V'kibli Yudim, right? The Jews accepted that which they had begun to do. That's what the Pasuk in the Megillah says. And what's the simple shot? They fully accepted that which they had only begun at some other point. And what was that? Matan Torah. So what's the answers? The Friedrich Rebbe gave this, again, all the Friedrich Rebbe. The Rebbe hasn't said a word. Umevar and he explains in this, the Friedrich Rebbe, the Bismana Gazeta, what, what happened at the Bismana the Gazeta? Something new that is completely revolutionary in terms of the Jews' connection to, to Torah. Hayakim Torah Mitzvah Shalem, but Nefesh. The performance of mitzvahs was with self sacrifice. They're willing to give up their lives for it. Because what happened ultimately, right, after the decree, so we talked about it yesterday, right? And this is all based on the Alter Rebbe. After the decree, 
So a Yid who, dis, who gave up, who, 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 who denied his connection to Torah mitzvahs, not his connection to being Jewish. I mean, whatever that means, right? But meaning, yeah, I, I, I was born, my mother's Jewish, my father's Jewish. But he stops keeping Torah and mitzvahs and accepts the religion of the, of the Persians at the time. So he's putter. Right? Unlike what happened 70 years ago in Europe. 70 years ago in Europe, it had nothing to do with religion. Right? According to that evil, evil, evil person, his name should be erased forever. He's probably having a very good time in the barbecue in Gehenna that he's been dealing with forever down there. <coughs> Right, okay, that, that, that evil person. Right? What was the reason he said he had to kill the Jews? Because of their religion? What did he write in his book? Who were the Jews? Communists. The Jews, are the, the, the Jews are the force behind communism, and communism has to be wiped out, so we have to wipe out the Jews because they're the communists. It wasn't from Jews. He hated the fry Jews. I mean, the Jews were. I mean, I read the history of communism, right? So Jews were front and center, as usual. We always are, right? Any idiocy in the world, so we're always front and center. We're also front and center of all the good stuff. We're just always front and center. That's just the way we are, right? So in terms of, you know, scientific discovery, etc., we're front and center. Amazing stuff, medicine, you know, incredible stuff. We're front and center. In terms of, you know, de de destroying the world, we're front and center. Hollywood, Las Vegas, you know, who built Las Vegas? Hey, it was Jewish gangsters, it was us. Yay, us. Oh, I'd be the best. Right? <laughs> we're just a very interesting people. Uh, which one? Yep. It's See, the school? Yeah. School is even more amazing. I went to the school, I was taken to the school and took pictures of the teacher's lounge and sent it to everybody here. I sent it to Rabbi Moss and, and Rabbi Shemtov. I said, look, look at this lounge. The teacher's lounge was something I, 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 I couldn't believe. It. The teacher's lounge was half the size of my note. It's huge. Right? Not the new building. The new building, we're going to have a teacher's lounge. It's the, the first six floors are all the teacher's lounge, and then there's a half a floor for everything else. That's the new building. The new building. It's going to be built. But um, amazing. Amazing. No, 100%. No, but the, the schmutzy part of Las Vegas. Now, Las Vegas is the largest, it was, I don't know, five years ago when I was there, it was the largest growing Jewish city in America. Fastest growing Jewish city in America. But the, 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 I mean, you've, well, you've obviously been there. The city has nothing to do with that one block, you know, that one, what do they call it? Strip, right? I was like, the, 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 it's red, the city. <laughs> they vote Republican. It's like crazy. They have this, you know, like the ultimate expression of the tomb of Elam Hazel. There's like this whole space. So I asked them if I could be there and not go there. So, so from the airport, they drove me underneath it. I didn't have to see it. I didn't see anything. And, but on the way back, the driver took me from the house, from the house I was staying in. It, it, I asked them if he would do that. They said, it's out of the way. I said, okay, it's out of the way. If you, how far out of the way can it be? Uh, Ten blocks. I said, do me a favor. Just go under the tunnel. I don't want it. So he drove me right past four hotels. Two on each, one, you know, one on each corner, four corners. It was weird. One of them looked like a castle. So yeah, I, said, I said, what's that? I said, what is that? He said, oh, it's a castle. I said, what do you mean it's a castle? He said, it's a hotel. I said, oh, I understand, but why does it look like a castle? He said, well, because people go to the hotel, they want to pretend they're in a medieval castle, so all the rooms are like medieval castles. This is like Disneyland for adults. It's just <laughs> so bizarre. Like, what adult, a normal well-adjusted, mature person would want to go pretend they're in a castle. I mean, what, what's wrong with these people? Right? There's evidently one called New York, New York, right? Like, it's as if you're in New York. We want to go to New York. There's a New York. There's a real New York. It's right there. Go walk up and down Manhattan. Energy like you never felt in your life. Manhattan. Go, go. New York. You're going to go to Las Vegas and pretend you're in New York? It's just weird. It's just weird. It's just weird, right? Like, what, how, what's wrong with these people? Don't they have a life? 
they do anything real in life? They have to go to Las Vegas and pretend they're in a medieval castle. So there were four like that. I don't know. That's the one I remember because I just found that the weirdest because it's the, it's, you're in the middle of a desert in, in, in America and there's this castle that looks like you're in you know, rainy England. They probably have rain in there. They probably leaks. The rooms probably leak. There's no heat and there's no plumbing. Oh, this is really fun. <laughs> to go to the outhouses. It's just bizarre. I don't get it. Just don't get it. I mean, I, I have tigers. I don't, I, you know, not inside. But these were adults. It, it mamish looked like a, a, a like a, like like a, a place for children that they're six feet tall. Just weird. The, even the bedding, okay, fine. Everybody thinks you know you. We, I once went to Reno and we played the slots. Why did we play the slots? Because if you played the quarter slots, you got a free drink. Now we didn't even drink. But we wanted to get a drink for free. We're Jewish, right? So if you play the quarter slots, they bring you drinks because they want you to keep playing the quarter slots. If they get you drunk, you'll keep playing, right? So, so there were two of us. One, stand, one guy was standing at the aisle where they were walking up and down with the free drinks, and I was at the machine. So I put the quarter in, but I didn't pull the arm. So then he's there, and he says, uh, it's coming down. So I pulled the arm. As I pulled the arm, someone came down with, do you like a drink? Well, thank you very much. I didn't drink it. I just wanted to get a free drink. I don't, I don't like this stuff, right? So I took a drink and pulled the, pulled the, pulled the arm. So for a quarter, we got a drink. <laughs> we felt like we had won. Then my friend said, you know what? I'm going to put in a quarter, too. I'm going to get a free drink. So he did that, and about $20 <laughs> poured out of the machine. So then we spent his $20 on the machine, of course. We had a good time. <laughs> but it's, it's just completely weird. Well, in Las Vegas, as you get off the plane, in the airport, yeah, in the, at the gate, there's slot machines. At the gate of the airport. Like, you, you walk off the plane, and, you know, you walk, you know, through, usually there's, like, some sign of, you know, golf or something. You go to Florida, there's some guy golfing. In Las Vegas, there's a slot machine. It's a bunch of them. In the supermarkets, they have slot machines. <laughs> In, in, in Nevada, where it's legal. Anyway, that's Gullus. That must have been what uh, Shusha Nabira looked like, right? where Haman hung out. Okay. <laughs> Slot machines. <laughs> I know how that would work. Oh, look at all these shekels. Slime, I want. I want some slime and some shekels. Look, I want a dinner. There's a little midget inside there spinning some wheels. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay. So, we were at the party, but why, why was it such an amazing time? Because of the Mesiris Nefesh. Because the Yidden, rather than give up Torah and Mitzvahs, kept Torah and Mitzvahs, and thereby signed the death sentence on themselves. Because anybody who kept Torah and Mitzvahs, anybody who associated as a Jew in that context, and that's what it meant, so it still means, ultimately, is what well, was Chayab Misa. <coughs> so what did the Jews do? What's Mesiris Nefesh? Mesiris Nefesh shows a connection to Torah and Mitzvahs that's much deeper than, than, than <coughs> was expressed at Matan Torah. And it's interesting. The first time in Jewish history where Mesiris Nefesh was called for, meaning there were, there were trials and tribulations of the Aves, but in terms of a people, the first time we were called to be Mesir Nefesh, was Purim. You'd see us Mitzrayim, we got out, we got the Torah, we were in the desert for 40 years, we went there to Israel, we were there for uh, 800 years, approximately, right? something like that. There were three, about 400 years before we built, a little more than 400 years before we built the temple. We, we, we conquered the land for seven years, we settled the land for seven years, then, we, then the, uh, the Mishkan went to Shilai, the Mishkan was in Shilai for 359 years, 369 years, and then it was about 50 years while it was in Neiv and Givain, and then David Melech built the base of Mikdash, and the first base of Mikdash lasted 410 years. So it's about 800 plus years till the destruction of the first temple. And when did Purim happen? In between the two temples, right? Purim happened in between the first base of Mikdash and the second base of Mikdash. Right? It was Achashverosh's son who built the second base of Mikdash, Kairosh. Right? So, so 
Purim was happening. So, so while we were in Eretz Yisrael, those years, so first of all, at the, at the beginning, we were, you know, it, it, it wasn't such a mysterious nefesh to fight the wars, meaning obviously we, we went to war, but, but we were winning all the wars, and the Ebershter promised we were going to win all the wars, and we conquered Eretz Yisrael relatively easily. Relatively, I mean, war is war, but relatively easily. Right? Then we settled there to Israel, and then we built a base of Mikdash, and, and uh, we, we had the we had the Mishkan, and then we built the base of Mikdash, and things were relatively calm, and still until what we started acting up and losing. I mean, in that whole time, you read Nach, so the, 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 we were acting up and getting smashed, and acting up and getting smashed, and acting up and getting smashed, doing tshuva, then smashed. You know, it's strange. Read Shaftim; it just seems strange. Right? Okay. But it's not really so strange because they had a taiva for Vedazara like we have a taiva for Gashmias. Right? So we look at them and we just don't understand why they keep serving idols. Well, they had a taiva for serving idols. Their taivas were spiritual. They look at us and they can't figure out why we're drowning in a sea of whipped cream. Like, what's wrong with these people? Right? The, you know, that, those generations, they look at they just go, why are they suing the Gashmias? What's their problem? They're just so into it. Right? They just can't figure it out. Because our tivers are all Gashmi. We don't have any spiritual tivers. I mean, you know, oh, Vedazara, I said this tiver, go worship a Vedazara. I'm overcoming it. He's Kafia. Vedazara just seems absurd to us. It is. Why? The Abishnu took away the tiver for Vedazara. You read Nach, they, they were just falling head over heels into all this Vedazara, which we don't get. Right? Because we don't have a tiver for it. They think our tivers are weird. But they are. Any tiver is weird. Objectively, but when you have it, it's not. So, <coughs> so, Purim was the first time where the whole Jewish people's existence was threatened, and that the Jews had to choose between Yiddishkeit or life. It was the first time. Since then, unfortunately, that's been a fairly common theme in our history. But at that time, it never happened before. Got out of Egypt, accepted the Torah, spent time in the desert, went to Eretz Yisrael, conquered Eretz Yisrael, had a Mishkan, built a temple. A Vedazara here, a Vedazara there, a Vedazara here, a Vedazara there, right? Get, you know, good times, bad times, ups and downs, yeah, Beseder. Just read Nach. <coughs> Until finally the Abish did destroy the, this, the first temple, having warned us incessantly that he's going to do that if we keep doing the, the silliness we were doing and we kept doing it so the, the temple was destroyed we left there to Israel thinking that, that was, it was over, finished, done that we had blown it the Nevi'im tell us no, you haven't blown it as a matter of fact, Yirmiyahu Navi tells us to buy land in Eretz Israel before we leave because we're going to come back alright, okay which was a Kiddush because most Yidin evidently, reasonably so if you think about it, right? They okay, we, we blew it like we had a chance, and the Abishter picked us as his people, gave us the Torah, and we blew it. So now it's over. <coughs> it's an incredible experiment called Am Yisrael, Torah, Mishkan, Mikdash, that we, we, we lost, and now we're, you know, who knows what's going to happen to us. But they were told by the Nevi'im that that's not the case. No, you're coming back. This is eternal. It's never ending. It's going to end with Mashiach, etc. Fine. Yechezkel and Navi at the time of the first temple is having the vuas about the third temple. The one we're going to see, Tekafumiyad. So, so all of that. Then they go into Gullus, and and now they're faced with extinction, and they have a choice: to either stay hidden and die, or give it all up and live as Persians. <coughs> so, what did they choose? On mass, they chose to stay hidden. The Neisif Lizet, in addition to the fact. In addition to the fact that there was, that they had, self-sacrifice, not to deny as this is what we've been talking about outside, so now we see it inside. <coughs> as the Alter Rebbe explains, that were they to switch their religion, meaning they were to take upon themselves the religion of the Persians, they wouldn't have killed them. It was not a decree against the Yidden as a people. It was a decree against Yidden as a religion. 
the Gezer was only on the Yehudim, meaning the people who were, were uh, 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 celebrating and, and, what's the word, you know, observing Das Yehudim, the, the, the religion of the Yehudim. Va'afal pikein, nevertheless, it didn't go up on their thoughts, any external thought, meaning the Yidin en masse stayed connected to Torah and Mitzvahs. Right, so not only did they not deny Torah and Mitzvahs, and there's that level of Mesiris Nefesh, they had Mesiris Nefesh to perform Torah and Mitzvahs. I mean, not only that Mesiris Nefesh not to deny Yiddishkeit, they had Mesiris Nefesh to go out and actually increase in their Torah and Mitzvahs, like we talked about yesterday. Mordechai got 24,000 children together in the stadium in Tehran and, and had and said Psukim, right under the nose of, uh, of the Ayatollah. That's what happened. That's what was going on. Right? Mordechai was makil kihilos. Got Jews together to keep Torah mitzvahs in a, in a public way. In modern terms, what would that mean? That would mean someone getting 24,000 Jewish children, flying them in, because there aren't that many in Tehran. Flying them into Tehran and having a, having a, kinos, a tzivus Hashem rally in the, in, the, in the soccer stadium in the middle of Tehran as the Ayatollah watches from his perch. That's what Mordechai did. Right under their nose. That's bright guy, my goodness gracious. That's really something. Right? Like whom? Like the Frida Grebbe, saying this mimer in front of the NKVD. And what, and, and, I mean, in, we're not seeing the mimer the Frida Grebbe said. You can look it up in Tafresh Bay Zion. Purim Kat in Tafresh Bay Zion. The Rebbe talks about the destruction of Haman and the destruction of the modern day Haman. Now he too will go the way of Haman. Right under their nose. Aye, what happened to the Frida Grebbe? He's arrested and death sentence passed against him. Okay, Seder. I mean, he, not the, not the Seder, but he, he lived through that. Right? The mysterious nefesh of the Yidin in the time of the Soviets was unbelievable. Unbelievable. So too then, Hayalem, mysterious nefesh, Gamal, Kiyam, Tarmitzvah. Not only did they, not only Sur Ra, did they not give up Yiddishkeit, they increased in Yiddishkeit. Va'ad, to such an extent, we mentioned this yesterday, we saw it in the Mimer, now it's again here, until they gathered together, groups in public, to learn Torah, with incredible self-sacrifice. Imagine renting, renting the, 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 biggest, the biggest stadium in Tehran to have a Verbringen for Yud Shvat. That's what they did. And this arousal of Mesiris Nefesh, this all came as a result of Mordechai. Mordechai is the one who galvanized the Yidin and aroused in them this Mesiris Nefesh. How? By connecting them to the Abishtim, bringing their Amunah into Pneumius. That's Mesha, that's what we learned. We still don't know how, how that works, but that's who Mesha is. And who's Mordechai? He's Mesha Shibadara. Mordechai Badaraki, Mesha Badara. This all happened through Mordechai Yehudi, the Mesha of his generation. And this is Pshat, and this is the Pshat in the Pasuk that the Yidin accepted that which they had begun to do. <coughs> what did they begin? They began at Matan Torah. The Matan Torah was the beginning. Matan Torah was good. Right? What does it say? The Abishai held the mountain above our head and said, if you accept the Torah, good. If not, I'll drop the mountain on your head. <coughs> What's that in Panemius? Who in their right mind would not accept the Torah when there's such an incredibly powerful revelation that it's so absolutely obvious what's happening? Right? To be an idiot. Oh, when does acceptance of Torah become real? Acceptance of Torah becomes real when the darkness is so dark that you, can't, you can cut it with a knife. And yet still the Yidin are connected. That's when it's real. <coughs> and that was Purim. At Mantara, Al Pipanemius, the whole idea of Kafalem Harkagigis is that the, the revelation was so powerful that there was no choice but the the Abishter took away our free choice because it was so obvious. The Abishter standing in front of you. I'm Avram Avinu, Al Pichsidis. Avram Avinu is told by Kaddish Baruch Hu to go sacrifice his son. Al Pichsidis, that is not a trial. What's the trial? A Kaddish Baruch who told you to go do something. So why in the world is that called a trial? What's the big deal? A Kaddish Baruch who told you. So obviously you go do it. The Abishai told you. 
What's the trial? Al-Pihsidis, what is the trial of Akedis Yitzchak? He did it besimcha. That was the trial. To do what a Kaddish Baruch stands in front of you and says, I want you to fast for the next 24 hours. I think we just lost it. Oh no. I want you to fast for the 20, next 24 hours. Kaddish Baruch comes to you. You have a hard time fasting for the next 24 hours? I understand. What are you nuts? Why, why, why in the world would you not fast? You just had a prophetic experience and you know it wasn't psychotic, it was prophetic. God said, Hananya. I don't want you to eat for the next 24 hours. So Hanani doesn't eat for the next 24 hours. This is difficult? Like, this is a trial? I mean, what is the big deal? It's so obvious that that's what you do. Oh, what might be a trial? I'm going to do this besimcha. Because I don't, I, I, now, you know, not eating for 24 hours is not that so hard. I mean, he, he asked Avram Avinu to kill his son. Okay. I mean, that's what he thought he asked. And he did a besimcha. Huh? We read it this morning. Everybody reads it every day. But Yelchu Shneim Yachtov. They both walked together. It says it twice. Why? First time, only Avram knows what's going on. And Avram is walking with the same simcha as Yitzchak. The second time it says it, next passage. Second time it says it, Yitzchak also knows what's going on. And then it says, after Yitzchak says, where's the seh? What's going on? We have, we have the wood, we have the fire, we have everything. We just don't have a sacrifice. And Avram says, don't worry, the Abishtah will show us the sacrifice, my son. And he figures out what that means. And then what's the next line? Again, exactly the same words. You say this every day, right? The Akedah. It says they, they, walk to, they walk together. Why does it say it a second time? Oh, that's Yitzchak. Yitzchak is now as, as besimcha as Avra. Even though Yitzchak also knows. Okay, so they're both mamish besimcha. Unbelievable. And that's the, that's the, that's the real trial of, of, of the Akedah. To do what God says when he tells you to do it and you heard him say it? I mean, what's the big deal? Right? Who in their right mind wouldn't do that? Why might we have a problem keeping Torah and mitzvahs? Because we're, you know, it, 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 we might lose sight of the fact when a taiva happens that this is really elokus and that we're doing. What, what the Balatanya say? What did the Fidik Rabbi tell us in in Basi Lagani? Right? I'm not really separating myself from the Abishter when I do this. Why? Why? Why might I think that? If the Abishter showed up at that moment and said, "Look, I just want you to know that if you eat that thing, you're separating yourself from me," so I'm not eating it. Don't have a meeting. Okay. It's not going to happen. When is there a serious nefesh? When it's not clear. When it's clear. So that was Matan Torah. It was absolutely clear what was going on. So of course they even accepted the Torah. Why would you not? And that's why, so to speak, they were forced. Purim, absolute darkness. Incredible darkness. We're so dark that the Yidin are at party. They're all there at the party. In, it, as, uh, they're completely part of the culture of Ahasuerush. Right? That's what it means to be at the party. What's our culture? Is our culture being a Yid? Is our culture being an American, being a Canadian, being a, a French, being a Brazilian, being whatever we are? What's our culture? South African. Or are we a Yid? Right? That's our culture. Right, so if we're at the party, so uh, I can be a yid at the party. There was kosher food at the party. Yeah. There was kosher food at the party. Kosher wine at the party. Well, it's a good party. They had, they had, they had the Glen Livet with the blue thing with the hexer on On tap. <laughs> so it was a real party. Achashverus knows how to throw a party for months. Right? Kosher. Everything was kosher. Right. It, was, it had all had a badatz on it, <coughs> badatz of the Eder, of Landau, it's my mission. Okay. So, 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 so the, 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 what was unique about Purim? Masir's nefesh. That's why Purim is such an incredible day, such an important day. Ultimately, it's the end of the year, right? The Aved, when does Aveda start for a Jew? Aveda starts Pesach. The beginning of it all, first month, is Pesach. Right? Get out of Mitzrayim. Start again. Start this whole process of trying to get out of Mitzrayim. Okay? So we were in Mitzrayim. We're in a state of limitation. And Pesach takes us out. It's the beginning of it all. Okay, that's Pesach. And where does it all come? What's the end of the year? Where do we see where we made it in that year? Where does, okay, where, where are we at the end of the year before we're um, exactly a month before Pesach where we start Pesach all over again? There's women who are cleaning before Purim, but I mean, we want, but when does, when do, what's the, so to speak, the litmus test of it all, Purim? 
Where's a yid on Purim? Right? What Chazal say? You have to drink a lot. Why? Get rid of all your filters. Who are you really? What do you really care about? On Purim, do you become drunk like a goy or do you start crying because you want God? What happens? No filters left. Nothing. It's just you. Raw. So if you drink like a goy, I guess there's a lot of work to do. If you drink like a yid, when a yid gets drunk, what happens? He starts crying that he wants God. Okay. different ways of getting drunk, right? The Chazal say we're supposed to drink more than usual. Right? If you know what happens and it's not good, don't drink. Right? Yeah, I mean, you know, you need to ask a Rav not to drink, but, but so tell a Rav that, you know, this is what happens. So, okay, fine. But the halacha is you're supposed to drink more than usual. There's still a gazeta for Lechayims, but for Lechayims will change your state of reality. Right? If a person can't drink, so don't drink. But the halach is, it's very interesting, <coughs> the two holidays of Geula, Purim and Pesach, Chazal, in both those holidays, Chazal established drinking more alcohol than we usually do. Pesach, we drink four cups of wine. <coughs> if a person can't drink four cups of wine, they drink four cups of grape juice. Right? If they're allergic to alcohol, then they better not drink it. Okay. Is alcohol bad? Unbel- probably the source of more bad things in the world than just about anything other than Islam. Right? But, 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 uh, you know, radical Islam, right? Because they're, I mean, you know, Islam happens to be a religion without a Vedazara, so they've got a pretty, uh, pretty, you know, pretty big merit there, but they seem to have sort of gone off the deep end here. But, but, uh, <coughs> Alcohol is unbelievably destructive, but it can also obviously, like, like many things, be used for positive purposes. And Chazal say that if you can use it for positive purposes, you do, and that's called Purim and Pesach. Interesting enough, we celebrate Geula by drinking more alcohol than usual. And Islam is just destructive. Hmm? And Islam is just destructive, right? No. Look, you can walk, you're allowed to walk into a mosque because it's not a place of a... I mean, they'll rip you to pieces, but if you, you know, you're allowed to walk in. The Rambam says what about Islam and Christianity? Amazing thing, right? What do they do? Two religions? Two biggest... I mean, you know, the biggest religions in terms of making noise, right? And they're both basically not a Vedazara. There's a certain aspect of a Vedazara and certain aspects of Christianity, right? As soon as you get into the the sun and the Heiligegeister, so you have a few, a few issues. But I mean, just, you know, just what, what did they both do? So the Rambam says it was censored out of the Rambam for a thousand years, but we have it, and it's printed in the Rambams now, right? <coughs> that uh, Islam and Christianity paved the way for Mashiach. Because what did they, what did they do? They, they, they educated huge chunks of the world's population about certain aspects of the truth so that when Mashiach comes, they will accept Mashiach and realize that they had been taught falsehood and this is the truth. But the idea of there being this thing called the so-called Old Testament and the idea of there being this idea called the Messianic Age, that's all part of their theology. Where? From us, Baruch Hashem. Tramim says it. They paved the way for... Meaning they, 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 they were more successful than us in Hafatza, right? <laughs> they got the word of God creating the world to places where we didn't succeed in getting it. So all over the world, there are people who believe that God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh day. What's the seventh day? Friday, Saturday, or Sunday? Okay, take your pick. <laughs> so, you know, they both had to change it. So, the, you know, one of them changed it till Sunday and one of them changed it till Friday. Okay, but say it couldn't be Saturday. I mean, that, that's what we do, so it can't be what we do. Okay, fine. <coughs> but the idea is the idea. Rambam. End of Hilchas Malachi. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And then when Mashiach comes, so they'll be the first to go, oh, wow, amazing, incredible. This is what it meant. They'll say, okay. We were taught a slight variation which was not true. The Raman doesn't say slight. (coughs) So they have their great merit. There's no doubt about that. Monotheism. 
It's a pretty big thing to hop. They just are bloodthirsty. That's what the Torah says about them, right? Yad Bakol, Yad Kolbo, Shmuel. God says to it's the bracha that Yishmael gets. His hand is going to be in everything. <laughs> That's Yishmael. Trying to take over everything. That was only the beginning. That was the true acceptance of the Torah. Because what does Mesiris Nefesh mean? Mesiris Nefesh means that life without Torah is not called life. It's not real. It's not anything. It's not worth living. Meaning the Jew is completely and totally identified with his relationship with the Kaddish Baruch. That's how he identifies himself. That's what life is. It's not a nice part of life. It, 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 gives, it gives my life more meaning, more depth. That's not Mesir's Nefesh. Is that bad? That's great. But that's not it. Because then it's still my life and God has a place in my life. He has a, he has a nice place in my life and, and, he, and, and, and he definitely adds to my life and that's a very important part of my life and a rich part of my life. It might even be the most important part of my life, but it's not my life. My life is my life and then there's God there. That's one thing. When does a Jew get past that? That's called Messias Nefesh. God is life. There isn't life outside of that. It doesn't exist. As the Rebbe will say later in the, 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 the pit gum that's always quoted when it comes to Messias Nefesh, this is the way it is and there is no other way. There's no possibility of disconnecting. It doesn't exist. Why? Where am I going? What's out there? There's nothing out there. Meaning I'm, I'm choosing non-life. Okay, that's Messias Nefesh. Baruch Hashem, so many Yidin have, uh, I mean, that, that's what Golis is all about. Siddhis explains the reason the Abish to put us in Golis was for Messias Nefesh. By virtue of the fact that there was for them then Messias Nefesh befail, in actuality, there's Messias Nefesh conceptually. That was Matan Torah. Nasa Venishma is Messias Nefesh. I'm giving up everything for the Abishta, okay? That's what life is all about, okay? But that was only conceptual. When did it come, when did it happen before? That the Jew was actually willing to give up his physical life for Tar and Mitzvahs. That was Purim. <coughs> That's why Purim is so important. In actuality, Al Tar and Mitzvahs, Nisalu, they were elevated, Be'inyan Zeh, in this aspect. The Madrega Nailis to an even higher level, an even higher level, than they were at the time of Matantar. The Lochain then as Dafkaisa Kabbalah Vakibul Yehudim. That's the answer to the question. That was the true acceptance of the Torah because at that point, what happened? The Jewish people as a whole said, there is no life outside of our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch. There's no such thing. Until then, you could theoretically imagine that maybe there is. Maybe there wasn't. I don't know. It depends on the Yid. But at that point, the Jewish people en masse made such a statement. We don't exist outside of this relationship with the Abishta. We're not, we're not choosing death. We're choosing life. What's life? Torah and Mitzvahs. There's nothing else. That was Purim. And that's why Purim is, 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 is such an incredible day. Okay. So that's the Frida Grebe's explanation of... Kibul Yehudim, which is the Mimer. That's the name of the Mimer. So far, still Friedrich Rebbe. So what have we seen? We asked five questions. We answered four of them. We did that at the beginning of Shia. Right? <coughs> I mean, the beginning, beginning. We went over the whole, everything we'd seen up until now, at the beginning of Shia. Right? We did what the five questions were, what the four answers ha- are we have already. We don't know the answer to the fifth one, the difference between Ner Tomid and Mi'erevan Baker, the constant light and the light from the morning to the evening, or the evening to the morning. That we'll see at the very end of the Mimer, as we said. That's the last thing the Rebbe uh, uh, answers. He doesn't even give us a taste of the answer until the end. Whereas we have a taste of the answer to the first four questions right away in the Mimer. We, we, at the end of Oiz Gimel, we have four questions answered. In the Oiz Dalet, so the Rebbe explains the union of Purim, Atit itself. Now our Rebbe is going to start talking. We'll learn for two more minutes. Our Rebbe is going to start talking and, and try to understand certain things about the Frida Grebbe. And again, one of the things we have to understand is the order in which the Frida Grebbe does things. We already began to ask that question yesterday at the end of Vais Gimel, where the Rebbe asks, why is it that the Rebbe explains the union of Raya Mehemna before he explains the union of Kosis Lamar? 
And if you don't know what that means, well, okay, that's what we learned yesterday, right? And we went over it to today, at the beginning of class. <coughs> okay? It's Kossi's Lamar. Think simple pshat. Golis brings about a revelation of the essence of the soul. What's Maisha Rabbeinu got to do with that? What's Raya Mahemna got to do with that? Oh, so as we just saw, that Maisha seems to be the vehicle for that. Mordechai was the vehicle for that in Purim. So let's just go a couple more lines further to see where we're going, and we'll pick it up tomorrow. Tomorrow is Tuesday. Right. There's no sheer, there's no for bringing Tuesday night. Who knows, maybe you'll, go, maybe you'll find a for bringing somewhere else. But I, I would imagine, we have sheer Wednesday morning, Yudshvat. Thursday morning, there will not be sheer. The for will not end before 1 o'clock. The for will not even start before 1 o'clock. L'cha'ura yesh leymar. At first glance, one can say, Shapedish bekasis lamar, the explanation of the words kasis lamar, crushed, to bring about a revelation of the essence of the soul, the source of the light, not the light. It doesn't say kasis lahair, which was our fourth question. It says kasis lamar, that the crushedness of Golis brings about a revelation of the maor shebin neshama, the source of light of the neshama, which is the etzim of etzim and neshama, the essence, the essence of the soul. Sha'al yedei kosis, that through the crushedness of golos, nishbar v'nitke, broken and crushed, golos, magim l'ma'or, we come to the ma'or, hu biur, this seems to be an explanation alzeh, uh, regarding the fact that at the time of the gezeda of Haman, the, the decree of Haman, dafka, specifically then, ba'u l'mesiris nefesh, they came to a state of mysterious nefesh, but even in a way, in the highest way imaginable. Why? Because that's what that, that's where mysterious nefesh comes from. Ki mysterious nefesh, because the mysterious nefesh mitzad etzim in the shama, right? Because mysterious nefesh that is from the essence of the soul gilui. I mean, we know all this. That is a level beyond revelation. There's the revealed parts of the soul. We'll talk about this more tomorrow, but we'll just see it quickly now. There's the revealed parts of the soul, and then there's the essence of the soul. Where does Messias Nefesh come? Where does Messias Nefesh come from? Generally, the essence of the soul. Ma'or, the Ma'or, the source of light, Shemimenanimsar, that from that place comes the light. Val and by virtue of the fact, Shahayu, that they were as then, Bamats of the Kosis, they were in a state of crushedness, Purim, Nishbar Vinitka. Nisgale, it was revealed, etzim and neshama, ma'ar. Simple pshat, kosis lamar. Crushedness produces more. Isn't that what Gullus is about? Pushes the Jew against the wall, and the Jew ultimately connects to the essence of who he or she is, and refuses to separate from a Kaddish Baruch. That's Messias Nefesh. Oh, aval, there's two more lines. Aval, mihem shech v'senri, I said, the Rebbe was going to ask regarding the order of things in the Friedrich Rebbe's Mimer. So that's what the Rebbe's doing now. Right? So if you don't remember the order, you're going to have to go back. This is not a Mimer to listen to in the morning and not do review on. If you listen in the morning and don't do review, you will not understand this Mimer in the end. Okay? This Mimer takes work. Right? It's not just some interesting experience for an hour in the morning where you hear me rant and rave. Right? That's not what this is about. If you want to learn this mimer, you have to do the work necessary, which means you'll also have to do review at night to review the mimer so you can remember the, 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 the points the Rebbe is making along the way. Otherwise, there'll be some nice stuff. There'll be some you know, nice and inspiring ideas in the mimer and maybe a good story here or there. But, you know, in the end, so I didn't learn it. So the Rebbe says, Aval, but, mihem shech v'seder in yonim, from the from the order of things in the previous Rebbe's Mimer, Ba'amimer, <coughs> Sha'apedush, that the, the explanation of Kosis Lamar, we already hinted at this, Ba, it comes in the Friedrich Rebbe's Mimer, La'achre, after Ha'inyin de Raya Mahemna, after the Rebbe explained the Indian of Raya Mahemna, and in the explanation of Raya Mahemna, that we're also included in an understanding of the fact that there's a Raya Mahemna in every generation, there's a Mesh in every generation, Alpi Niglin, Alpi Pnimius. Mashma, <coughs> that seems to indicate the Indian Kosis Lamar, the idea of Kosis Lamar, Shaykh Gam is also relevant, Lazer, to this idea, Shemeshazan and Farnes as Amuna, that Mesh is the one who sustains the Amuna. And what does that mean? That Mesh brings it from a Makif. 
from something superconscious, Shatiya Bapanimius, that it should become part of our conscious reality. So why is that? That's what the Rebbe's asking. And Liesh Levar, that's now, hey, begins the Rebbe's mind. Now the Rebbe starts talking. Having told us what the Friedrich Rebbe says and pointed out to us a number of times the order of things in the previous Rebbe's Mimer, now the Rebbe's going to explain the previous Rebbe's Mimer. Right. Having for four oises told us just the previous Rebbe's Mimer, all sorts of different parts of the previous Rebbe's Mimer. Okay, and what's the question we just asked? Why is it that kosis lamor, the crushedness that leads to a connection to God based on the essence of the soul, the crushedness of Golis, why is that taught to us by the Friedrich Rebbe only after he teaches us who Meshur Rabbeinu is? What's one got to do with the other? The situation of Golis should bring a ex- uh, connection to Etzim and the Shama. What's Meshur got to do with it? Now, in the story of Purim, we saw that Meshur was the vehicle for it. Mordechai. Why? What's it got to do with anything? Without Mordechai, we wouldn't have done it. Okay. We will continue tomorrow. Please review. I know, please review.